Hey, Pitchfork listeners, we want your economics-related ice cream flavor ideas for an extra sweet episode that we're working on. Here's some examples. Economic Crunch, inspired by the 1987 stock market crash. This flavor does not taste like dollar bills and tears, but actually like three different kinds of nuts. Or how about Bernie's Back, a hot cinnamon ice cream with one very large chocolate disc laying on top to represent all the wealth that has risen to the top 1%. Those are real flavors, by the way. The possibilities here are endless. So if you're feeling inspired, let us know. Give us a call at 731-388-9334 and leave a message with your unique economics ice cream flavor. Deadline for submissions is April 18th. And now... Onto the episode. There's a lot of misinformation in the press about the relationship between uh, unemployment benefits and unemployment insurance and, and jobs. This thing about unemployment insurance was nonsense. If we don't essentially incentivize working people with fear and pain and poverty, the lazy sons of bitches will just stay home and watch TV. That's just wrong. Yeah. From the home offices of Civic Ventures in downtown Seattle, this is Pitchfork Economics with Nick Hanauer, the best place to get the truth about who gets what and why. I'm Nick Hanauer, founder of Civic Ventures. I'm David Goldstein, senior fellow at Civic Ventures. So every month, Uh, The U.S. government releases its monthly jobs report, and because uh, we're geeks, you and I pay close attention, and this month was off the charts. 916,000 net jobs were added in March, a clear indication that the economy is getting back on track. The good news is the stats, right? Right. The official unemployment rate, which we all know is bullshit, but, you know, apples to apples is down to 6%. Uh, with 6.2% in February. Overall, uh, the U.S. has now gained back 13.7 million jobs. That's uh, 62% of the 22 million lost during the pandemic, which is, those are really like uh, unbelievable numbers, even having lived through it. Yeah. And and even the uh, February job growth was, uh, January and February were revised up So uh, things were even better than we had thought they were at the time. But to put that in context, uh, there's still a a long way to go before we're back to pre-pandemic levels. That's right. We'd need to do this 13 more months in a row just to get back to where we were before the pandemic, to say nothing of restoring the jobs that the economy would have created had the pandemic not hit over the last year. And I think it's really important to remember that while the overall number theoretically is 6%, you know, in lots of sectors, it's 25%, right? Right. And and it's, of course, it's America's, so it's very unequal. The the non-white unemployment rate uh, remains significantly higher than white unemployment. Uh, the the leisure and hospitality industry is still 20% below pre-pandemic right. levels. Uh, and of course, 
low wage workers, workers in the bottom 25% of earners uh, faced an unemployment rate of around 22% in February compared with the overall rate of 6.2%. Uh, and there's still 18.2 uh, million Americans currently receiving some form of unemployment uh, aid, either the traditional or the, um, the aid that was created for the self-employed and for gig workers. So great monthly numbers, but it's just one month out of many, and we've got, got a long way to get things back to where they were. Today on the podcast, we get to talk to our old friend, Austin Goolsby, who is the past chair of the Council of Economic Advisors under President Obama. There's a lot of misinformation in the press about the relationship between uh, unemployment benefits and uh, unemployment insurance and, and jobs. What's driving him crazy is that, you know, the sort of this chorus coming from, it's always the same people <laughs> arguing that these uh, generous unemployment insurance will, uh, it's just literally basically disincentivize people to go back to work. That it's a mistake to have unemployment insurance, basically, right. because if we don't essentially incentivize working people with fear and pain and poverty, the lazy sons of bitches will just say, stay home and watch TV. Right. Yeah. So anyway, and, and, you know, the thing that Austin will highlight is that these people have been saying this for the last year and it hasn't been true over the last year. It's not true now. And it probably won't be true for a very, very long time. Yeah. So with that, uh, let's get into our conversation with uh, Austin. Thank you so much for being here and uh, chatting about uh, the, obviously the jobs numbers. And um, I think obviously the numbers uh, recently have been relatively good. Yeah, well, look, this month was a huge positive number, really big, almost a million jobs a month. Yeah. It's worth remembering how many millions down we are. So we got to have a lot of great months like this. But I kind of think the... As as we always talk about, you know, as we've talked about on this program, yeah. the people who have a certain worldview, they don't care what the data say. If the data disprove their worldview, they don't view it as disproving the worldview. They just keep repeating it. And these job numbers are absolutely in that space. Okay, so if you look at this, we add a million jobs a month. What's the biggest sector? eye-popping numbers, leisure and hospitality. Right. Okay, lo lower wage jobs are the ones that are coming back the fastest. Those are exactly the jobs that there is a group of people who have been for almost a year saying, we're giving too much relief to people. Unemployment insurance is so high that no one will go back to work. And it's just not true. You yeah. just look at the data. It's just not true. Those are the people going back to work in record numbers. But it's not changing their statement at all. They just keep saying, oh, well, it's about to happen. They're about to not come back to work. And there's how do you dispute that? How, how is this possible, Austin? Because I've read my Econ 101. And so therefore, I know that unemployment is voluntary. Right. People choose to be unemployed. <laughs> right. That's look, that's the guy. And I'm not saying maybe the, the more sophisticated, more subtle argument made by some is that by the end of the summer, 
and the economy, the, the economy with the vaccines might be back to something like normal. And then the normal concerns about if generous unemployment leads people to stay out of the workforce longer, that those concerns might come back. Okay, fine. That's by the end of the summer. They've been saying it for a year. They've been saying that this was happening literally since we passed the CARES Act a year ago. Right. And convinced, oh, absolutely no one will go back to work if they are low enough income because they would be paid more to not work than to work. And multiple researchers went and showed that if you look at the generosity of unemployment, it's not correlated with where jobs came back or didn't come back. And if you look in the aggregate, we're seeing huge returns. The constraint has been the availability of jobs. We reached record levels of the ratio of people looking for a job to how many jobs there were available. So in a moment like that, when there, the constraint is that there are not jobs, this thing about unemployment insurance was nonsense. And it was clear it was nonsense. And everyone should have understood it to be nonsense. Right. And now they're making the same argument and saying, oh, oh, but we're talking about in the months to come, thereby admitting that it was nonsense a year ago when right. they were making the right. argument. So can you explain what neoclassical sort of models and assumptions these folks are relying on to make these claims? Okay, the, the basic model is kind of easy to understand, and that is that people will have a, what they call the reservation wage, that they say, unless I can get a wage above this wage, I don't even want to go to work. And if you give people extremely generous unemployment insurance, the philosophy would be, if I could be paid the same thing for not working, I'd rather not have a job. I'd rather just take the pay and not go to work. Yeah. And so in this, in this model, if you want to think of it as a model, it goes, if they give you 10 weeks of unemployment insurance, then you'll take your 10 weeks and then you'll go look for a job. If they give you 50 weeks, you'll take 50 weeks and then you'll go look for a job. And the more generous it is, the less willing you are to go out and look for a job. Okay, that's the basic model. Yeah. And one, there is a psychological critique of that economic model, which says people seem to get a lot more value from a job, from having a job, than just their weekly pay. To say nothing about, there's also health insurance, there's also a bunch of other things that go with a job. But even just psychologically, having a job does a lot for people's self-valuing right. uh, that being unemployed and, and getting a payment doesn't give. Okay, so so that's one critique. But the second is, even if you believe that at a moment of full employment, that that model is, is accurate, this is so emphatically not <laughs> yeah, a correct. moment of full employment. Yeah, On what planet yeah, are you? Yeah. If you're like, ah, yeah. I'm going to take a lesson from... A, a moment when the unemployment rate is three and a half percent, I'm going to take lessons from how people behave when unemployment is three and a half percent, and I'm going to apply it to people's behavior when the w accurately, comparably measured unemployment rate is 10 percent. Um, th that's just wrong. Yeah. And, and 
and it was known to be wrong when they were making the argument. That's the thing that's, that irks me, is in April of 2020, when they started saying, oh, this is a terrible mistake and nobody's going to take a job because unemployment is too generous, there was immediate pushback that people said there's four or five unemployed people for every job that is available. In an environment like that, it, the, the constraint is not that people will not work. The constraint right. is there's no jobs for people. Right. Yeah. So let's let's get the vaccine. Let's get control of the virus so we can get the jobs to come back. And now, a year later, we're extending unemployment again. Why? Because it's still hard to get a job. Of the 20-plus million people that lost their jobs, there's still almost 10 million of them who are not back to work. That's right. And so, so we need another 13 months of the same job numbers right? just to catch us back up to where just we to were. Just to catch us where we were. Yeah, right. And, and before you're tempted to say, ah, see, if there's 10 million people still out of work, that must be from the unemployment insurance. Just go look at the numbers. That's my thing. Just look at the numbers. Occupations where the unemployment insurance ought to be viewed as more generous, they're booming. They're right. high with millions of people are coming back to work in those sectors. If you look across states, you don't see that it that it had much to do with that. And in various months, the majority of people who are going back to work by that maximization theory, they're making less money right. going back to work than they would be eligible for on unemployment. So why are they doing it? Right. Are they crazy? No. And if you believe that model, you basically cannot explain what's happening because it just doesn't compute. Right. But th this is a similar conversation that we have all the time on minimum wage, on tax cuts for the rich, uh, on a bunch of those things where you're like, okay, what you've espoused is a theory. But we can test the theory. Yeah. And what do you, how does it change your view if the data do not agree with, with that theory? But the answer is not, well, then they modify the theory. The answer is just, nope, just restate it again. Yeah, Here's exactly. what's going to happen. Eventually we'll be right. So what I find both puzzling and frustrating is that the very same people who argue that you know having unemployment insurance will be bad for the incentives for folks to work are also the ones who argue against raising the minimum wage because and say surely that we can't raise corporate taxes that's you know, right they make the same argument yes they're like if you raise taxes on corporations then they will raise the price of everything on consumers and it will destroy jobs and if you say well didn't we just cut taxes for corporations by $2 trillion? What is the evidence that that led them to cut prices? What is the evidence that that yeah. accelerated the hiring rate? None. None. It Zero. did the opposite. Right. But Austin, looking forward, what should we be looking for in future job reports? I mean, the look big and they better be really big. Okay, so I, I'm thrilled we had about a million jobs this month. That's a, you know, it's probably the third biggest jobs raw number uh, that we've ever had. But the thing is, the hole is so big. As Nick said, we, we need 10, 12, 13 months of that in a row. 
and then we will be back to where we started. Forget about the all of the jobs that we should have been adding each month in, uh, over right. the last year. Just to get back to where we began, we've got to do that for a year. So I think, but but I'm actually optimistic. I think we're getting control of the virus. There are a lot of people getting the vaccine, and we may have another surge here, which will upset my statement here a bit. But I, I have said from the first day that the number one rule of virus economics is you want to help the economy, you got to get control of the spread of the virus. And if we do that, I think we will get a million jobs a month, month after month after month. And we might even get, who knows, two million jobs in a month. The normal rules of a business cycle do not apply. They clearly did not apply right. in the downturn from COVID. Right. And they don't have to apply in the comeback from COVID. So let's get off to the races. And the way you do that is not trying to derive your lessons from periods of full employment about people's behavior. Because that's not how they're behaving. Right. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's a, it's a bizarre moment. I mean, week, weekly jobless, new jobless claims are still high by historic standards, not by 2020 standards. How yeah, is like, it? Like unbelievable. Think of yeah. the highest week of all times. We went for, I don't know how many months, maybe a year, uh, with every single week being higher than the biggest week of all times. And multiple times. Now, <laughs> multiple times, and now the only thing that's happened is that number is no longer the largest of all times. But it's still really you know, big. <laughs> it would still be like the fifth largest of all times. But the the triumph was we got the new unemployment claims down below the all time record before COVID. Has there ever been a time where you've seen new jobless claims this high at the same no. time we're adding no. this many jobs? No, it, it no, seems, no, no, it's no, no, not that either. Yes, it seems counterintuitive. But it just kind of goes to the stuff that we've talked about before of there's such a difference in in your job market experience, in your lived experience in America, in the economy, who you are and what your income was and what you did for a living and how much education you had. So if you are a person whose job can be done on a computer and you work in the knowledge economy, the job market's better than it was before COVID ever arrived. The unemployment rate is lower right. for them than it was before COVID. Yeah. And the stock market wealth of those people has soared. I mean, they, they never had a recession. And if you go down the income distribution to the jobs of working people that have to be done in a regular location, and you start thinking of custodians and waiters and retail clerks and people who are in a spot, their job market is still awful. And that's kind of this weird churn that, that you identified. You, you, you still got, you know, you'll have a flare up in some metro area. So a bunch of businesses close down and then a bunch of people are laid off. And in the meantime, at the high end of the market, they're booming like nuts. They're like, we need to hire people. We want, we want the highest brow workers we can find. And that bifurcation, we knew it existed before. That was a pathology before of, about inequality. 
And this thing just made it worse. And everybody knows it made it worse. Just look out the window. You can tell. Yeah, for sure. sure. I know we need to let you go. Is there anything else you want to add? You know, like just just keep your your guy's mantra has always been the same one as mine of just go look at the data. Yeah. You know, just just look at the facts. We can test these theories. Right. And it doesn't have to be, look, I'm fine with us reevaluating this this topic of relief payments. Do they uh, do do they lead people to to not want to work? That's an important topic and fine, we should revisit it in the summertime when we're back more to normal and see if it has started having an effect. But at least admit that you were wrong for the past year right. when you've been saying that that was dominating the economy when it absolutely was not dominating. That's right. That's right. And I think, you know, look, uh, the, the theme of this podcast has been, you know, that the neoliberal view got us off track, but it's also just manifestly true that at some level unemployment would discourage actual job seeking right there is some level at which of the you, dropping out of the labor force yeah thing, yeah i mean, mean of their worldview yeah but yeah. no uh, no uh, of people actually dropping out of the world for yeah like, no, well, dropping, there, and look that's the there is some the, level that's that's the thing about you know seeing the unemployment rate is down to six percent which is high it's definitely right. a lot higher than three and a half but there are people who look at that and they're like, well, 6% isn't so bad. But the thing to recognize, which uh, Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen and, and the Fed Chair Powell have both remarked on, is that's masking how many millions of people dropped out of the labor force because there are not jobs. So comparably measured, the unemployment rate compared to the 3.5% is more like 85 That's right. That's right. Um, and which is still really awful. That's right. And it is also true that at some level, like if cap gains tax were taxed at 95%, indeed, <laughs> that would, to, to a certain extent, limit the number of people who wanted to go out and start a business. Right. No, but, that, that's, that's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. When, when, when I've debated Art Laffer, I've debated Art, he's a friendly guy. And I actually, we're, we're friendly with each other. We've debated the Laffer curve. And He's not wrong if the tax rate were 100%. Yeah. There are a lot of people who would not work. Okay. But that has very limited relevance when the tax rate is at historic lows. That's right. You know, when we cut taxes for high income people down to rates that we haven't seen in decades, th- that's really not relevant. It is. You know, they're raising the corporate tax rate back to 28%. Right. <laughs> but it's like, of course, that, that, that's not 100%. No. We're not on that side of the Laffer curve. It's no. this not true. Yeah, it's ridiculous. All right. Well, listen, Austin, thank you so much, so it's much for being with us. Bye-bye. Talk soon. So, yeah, it's great news. We've got a long way to go. And turns out when you provide generous unemployment benefits, it doesn't keep people from working. Yeah. If you have any questions... You can ask us on Instagram at Pitchfork Economics or on Twitter at Pitchfork Econ. Pitchfork Economics is produced by Civic Ventures. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter and Facebook at Civic Action and Nick Hanauer. Follow our writing on Medium at Civic Skunkworks and peek behind the podcast scenes on Instagram at Pitchfork Economics. 
As always, from our team at Civic Ventures, thanks for listening. See you next week.